Hey, and welcome to the Faith in the Arts podcast. I'm Marlita. I'm Ali. And I'm Johnny. Hey guys, so we started off last episode with a great conversation about the past and the present of this relationship between the faith and the art. So in this episode, we're just going to jump right back into this conversation. So here we go. Yeah, one idea I wanted to share, if that's right, just on this idea of whether culture is to be feared, converted or, um, or conquered. You know, I think of, Johnny, you're talking about music a moment ago. I think about music that came out the 1960s and 1970s out of the evangelical church in this country that, that kind of aligned itself alongside events like the Billy Graham Crusades and, and mm. music. So, so Billy would get up and speak, you know, and then thousands of people would come forward to give their life to Christ. And then a musician would come up and sing. And sometimes it was, you know, really big names. It was people like um, Cliff Richard would sing with Billy Graham. And that there's a kind of model there for how music functions in an evangelical setting, that primarily it's there for evangelistic purposes. And if that's the primary model for Christian engagement with the arts, mm. it's to convert people, to see people come to know Christ. It, inevitably, the message of an artwork will, will always take precedent over, over the, the craft, the skill, the, the medium of it. And um, my own experience of listening to well, you know, I think my own church friends talking about stuff to do with art, it's often about what people say and the words, you know, what it means rather mm. than how it makes you feel, how, how emotive it is, how well it's been produced, what the lighting was like or things like this. And the thing is, I think God is really interested in how well lit a film is and, and how beautiful the tone of a piece of music is or how the orange and the blue come together so well on the surface, you know, because he created all that stuff and and said that it was good. And and to me, I think part of the rub is when the Christian and particularly the evangelical thinks that my my role in the arts is one to mm. to convert and um, even to influence. It puts this really unhealthy pressure on that artist to make something. It's really hard to play and. Um, if you get it wrong, yeah, right. you know, it puts a lot of pressure on you. But but, but if we think more of our, our work as a, a kind of presence, a faithful yeah. presence, even an influential yeah. presence, you know, that allows a bit more time to think about yeah. well, how do I make it and how do I do it well to attend to the medium as yeah. well as to the message. You say God cares about the lighting. Um, I just think of um, John Coltrane, um, mm. the, the jazz artist who, who on mm. the liner notes mm. to A Love Supreme, what many consider is his kind of finest album he he talks about this this experience yes, yeah. he has of probably kind of a christian conversion experience really. it's definitely an experience of god within the christian framework and he would say that god the calling to god to him was to yeah. make people happy through music and i think it's it, it sounds yeah. it kind yeah. of sounds almost twee and many people are, oh right that's nice you're making people happy i think a key question in all of this is does god care about making people happy but is that a useful enterprise for a christian um i mean right. when we're Again, mm. bouncing around, but in the visual arts, the, the person I think about here would be a, a, a very contemporary artist, Laquena uh, MacGyver from, from London, uh, who mm. makes huge street murals. I, I'm, I, I'm sure Ali's familiar. She might not have made it to, to LA yet, Marlita, but she's a wonderful artist. She'll be there soon. Mm. She's kind of cool. going everywhere right now. Yeah. So very simply, I, I think the one one of the things that strikes me is a station. There's a, there's a station, I can't remember which one it is, um, 
it would be grey, horrible, like most British kind of small stations, nothing fancy about it. Just painted the whole thing, like multi multi big, bold blocks of oh, colours. You know, I think it's Temple Station in London. Yeah, this beautiful and installation she did this key, year. A key yeah. question would be for wow. Christians, and Christians generally about our relationship with the arts is, is that a valuable use of time? Is it, is it valuable for a Christian to be saying, look, I want to just make this environment better i want people who come through here i mean it's not going to probably change their life but surely that's what we should be doing like making our environment better increasing the likelihood of human flourishing in an area and i think laquena for me embodies that and mm. i think she's a wonderful blessing to the to the world we live in thank god for laquena really both of you guys talking about that makes me think of two things that we've talked about earlier in this conversation ali earlier when you talked about this impoverished expression of the arts and the Christian faith. And Johnny, when you were talking about uh, Fujimura's um, kind of charge to us that we should be caring for culture and bringing out the best things. And what that connection makes me think of is, especially Ali, when you were talking before Johnny, I thought of vitamin deficiency right that we are deficient mm. in certain vitamins mm. because we are only engaging with the arts in one way right. so there is this creative deficiency in the church because we're only getting one vitamin mm. one source of nutrition that's available to us as artists but we're not engaging in all of these other possible ways to care for the culture yeah. to have expression and life and mobility in the arts that is available mm. to us as Christians. Yeah, wow. And maybe that's because we don't know or we don't trust that we have that availability or whatever. But but that's, it just, it came up to me like, we are vitamin deficient. <laughs> that's why we're impoverished. Um, we're only consuming one part of this experience. It's such a good analogy, Melita. You know, that resonates with me, I have to say. It's as if we don't have a fully nutritious yeah. meal. Yes. We don't have... All the vitamins. You gotta that have we need. all the colors. Yeah, have all the colors <laughs> yeah. at your fingertips. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. all the signs. And a nutritious yeah. diet demands taste. Like so, for a child, they will mm. eat Haribo. They will eat McDonald's. Um, I, I sometimes wonder um, if in in my tribe in the evangelical church whether we've just not developed taste. We're still children when it comes to art because you have to put your you have to do you have to put work in to appreciate. Um, for me, Kislowski, for Ali, um, who was it earlier? Who you, Marilyn Robinson? Gillian. So, well, yeah. uh, so all yeah. our tastes mm-hmm. could could grow, you know. But um, yes, I, I wonder if yes. that, that food analogy, that vitamin analogy, is brilliant, re- really good. Um, we have more vitamins to feed ourselves with, Johnny, don't we? we you and I. We certainly, we, we certainly do, and I wonder if we yeah. all, we all do. Um, could, could I end this episode then? I've, I've been alluding to this for a while, but. A success story from the world of music. So we were talking, we've gone all around the houses, but successes of Christianity's interaction with the arts in the last 100 years. I think that the key success for me would be in the realm of music. And obviously we could go down the line of Bob Dylan's flirtation with Christianity, Johnny Cash, these are big figures, U2, biggest biggest band on the planet for a number of years, clearly Christian. Um, We could go there, but I, I think there's a more fundamental thing going on with music in that almost all innovations within popular music 
uh, within since like the middle of the 20th century have not just come from the Christian faith in an abstract form or or even um, or even just individual Christians. They've come from a specific part of the Christian church. And I say that would be commonly known as the, the black church. And mm-hmm. um, we would see, I think, apart from uh, electronic music, I don't know, I, I'm not the, the origins of which I'm not too sure. Um, you can chart every single musical form back to the black church. Like people learnt their craft there. So Little Richard, um, Good Golly Miss Molly. That's, I think, one of his songs, isn't it? Um, <laughs> now, he had a very colourful life, um, but would have always held on to a Christian faith and would have put leaned more into that as in his later years. But whatever you think about his own profession of faith, it's indisputable that his craft grew from church services i mean that's where it mm-hmm. came from in in the same way as uh, uh, beyonce's would have done and and many others like and so many others and so you've got um you've got rock and roll there um, mahalia jackson mm-hmm. seen as i think the the kind of queen or mother of of, of gospel music um if you don't know mahalia she would be i, I didn't know this story till recently the martin luther king story do you know know this okay i'll tell you mahalia jackson was friends with martin luther king and uh, mm-hmm. I think we're singing um, at the, the march in Washington. So the big march in Washington, obviously very famous speech at the end of that. I think it's 1963. And um, if you listen to Martin Luther King's speech, it starts off proficient, but a little bit formal, probably you'd say. But what happens is uh, Mahalia Jackson is, is standing. I, I can't remember where she is, but she's within earshot of Martin Luther King. And she calls out, tell them about the dream, Martin. And at that <laughs> point, Martin... He, he really? puts down his notes um, and just goes impromptu and says the words, I have a, I have a dream. And from there, wow. we, we know what happened. And so she's, it's just an interesting aside, but she's that person. Oh, But wow. many people would see her musically, her style um, and delivery being very influential in the birth of rock and roll vocal and gospel and soul and R&B. And again, firmly rooted in and coming out of the black church and her Christian faith that goes along with that. So then you've got gospel music, which even to, today is, is just the anomaly. I, I, it almost cuts against everything I usually say. I'm, I'm very usually like talking to artists. Look, if you are explicitly Christian all the time and obviously trying to convert people, no one is going to care who's not a Christian. Well, gospel music just knocks that one on the head because... Obviously, everyone knows what gospel music's doing. It's very well respected throughout popular culture. So, for example, B.B. and C.C. Winans or Kirk Franklin would be making explicitly Christian music, but they would be respected across the board. And so, uh, which is remarkable. And then you've got, obviously, soul and R&B that come from from that. And you can have the weird dynamic Mm -hmm. where you've got, like, Destiny's Child would be doing their thing. Beyonce would go off. And then Michelle Williams would go back to gospel and bring out a version of the classic gospel song, If Jesus Say right. Yes, and just gets Kelly Rowland and Beyonce back on the track. Because it's completely, inter- the things are interchangeable because it's coming from the same yeah. same soil. And, and that is interesting that you see, I'll say particularly with black musicians, there is more of a fluidity in and out of that relationship than mm-hmm. I notice in, in other traditions. Yeah. Because yeah. I think like, as you said, they come from that. And there is the, I mean, sometimes they get a little bit of a, Usually it's always from the church who is upset. Oh, oh, you went out, but now you want to come back to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So usually it's a church that has a problem, but Mm. I think, I think just culture is like, 
you're just exploring what you're exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. The final, final thing I'd have on this is the the final part of the family tree would be hip hop, would be rap. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen this in the last few years quite a lot, but but it would always have been just beneath the surface in hip hop. Again, coming from the same the same soil, the black church, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And while I think in the 90s and noughties, most hip hop, if you were talking religious affiliation, generally within American hip hop anyway, it would often be um, Islam, uh, particularly certain sects of Islam, like the, the Nation of Islam and those sort of ideas. Very clearly there's been a shift in the last few years towards mainstream Christianity. And so... Yeah, Kendrick Lamar would be a good example of this. Mm-hmm. Ch- Chance the Rapper, Chance the and, rapper. and obviously Kanye. Yeah, so, so when Kanye brings out Jesus King, for mm-hmm. many people are like, "Whoa, what's happened?" It's like this is like a Saul of Tarsus experience. Like, and it was there was clearly a, a clear mm-hmm. change in the way Kanye did things. But you could also look back at his back catalogue and go, "This is not that much out of the blue." I mean, he's he's been referring and interacting with right. Christianity since the beginning of his career. What I find fascinating here, I'd be fascinated to see Marlies's take on this uh, particularly, is why no one talks about this. So when we when we started the conversation, the golden age of Christian interaction with the arts is mm-hmm. uh, white men in Europe in Middle Ages with paintbrushes in their hands, where we now live at a time where in one of the most dominant artistic forms, popular music, it's you can clearly chart all innovations in the last 50 years, not just to Christianity, but to a particular section of the body of Christ, namely the black church. I don't know. I feel I feel that there's a there's a lot behind that omission. Yes, but you know there is a lot. There is a whole lot. It's not, Ali. I feel like you have some. You I want d- to yeah, say. I'm percolating. I'm, yeah, I, I'm percolating because I just, I, I don't think that's just particular to music as well. I think we see that. In- I was about to. I was. I was just about to. But go ahead, yeah, my brother. You see that in dance Preach. as well. Yeah, in performance. <laughs> I'm, I just think most recently, some of the most interesting visual art that uh, has been coming out of the UK, in particular London, which is where I live, is from within the black communities and specifically the black Christian communities. And I know cynically, a lot of that, a lot of the work being shown, you know, in London has come out of a reaction to events of the last two Mm, years mm -hmm, as attentions mm -hmm. have, have rightly been put back towards the black communities. But I see artists of faith from within that tradition able to talk about their faith in a way that I've rarely seen artists able to do um, you know it makes me think of let me say like this i think of like in africa and there is no disembodiment between expressions of life and expressions Mm. of faith and expressions of culture it's just all in there so there is this fluidity with which you talk Um, There is no art is over here and life is over here. You grow up and there's just this integration all around. It's just a a whole organism. Um, And it's interesting because I've been looking at what's been happening lately with more and more blacks leaving the church. And I'm like, that should be the canary in the coal mine for us to wake up because through all this stuff, Mm. One thing you could count on is that black folks would be in the church. <laughs> That's what we grew up in. It's it's so much a part of our culture, so much a part of our upbringing. And I think that's why there is such a fluidity with which we talk about it. 
because in in our culture, and yeah. of course there are <laughs> many cultures within the black diaspora, so I'm, you know, I acknowledge that, but I'm still going to say within our culture. But within a lot of black families, um, there's not that divide. Mm. There is that embodiment. And what's interesting is mm. going back to why are we not talking about that more? Well, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at a lot of the legal issues that are going on here in the States about what can and cannot be taught or talked about in right. school. Right. And I remember I was talking to some students and I said, while information is not political, education is often mm. politicized. Um, and so there has just historically mm. in this country, for mm. obvious reasons, been an exclusion of black contributions to this culture to this country, to the, yeah. so that's just a general ignorance on every spectrum yeah. of human existence about the black contribution and the depth of the black contribution to a lot of what we think is just the American yeah. way and how much black Americans have contributed to shaping what we think is, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's just a general exclusion that's that, just so fascinating would it is fascinating say, would you say that that exclusion from culture has in some way shaped that that fluidity that you talk about within within the black churches of talking about faith art life music um because I, I think you're absolutely right in my experience of white evangelical church is we we sort of have we compartmentalize stuff you we know do. um there isn't that fluidity so right. it makes sense that it doesn't really breed or flourish artistic expression but but yeah. i wonder why there is that fluidity of conversation in in the black churches i i think i'm not you know a, a historical expert but mm. i would imagine you know, when when Africans in, were enslaved and brought over here, there are traditions that happened that continued through the generations. And if if they are not separated and segmented in Africa, and those traditions have been passed on, albeit they've evolved as yeah. as we've touched and and been touched by you know, the United States and, and a confluence of other cultures, but still those roots are passed within the family, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And so that just, that just continues yeah. on. Um, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I would imagine is it. Because yeah, yeah you don't, I like, like I, <laughs> I think about how I talk about my faith and, mm -hmm. and how my, my white friends talk about their faith. Mm -hmm. And there is mm -hmm. just this, and and they tell me there's just this liveliness that you talk about, and I don't feel yeah. a problem mm -hmm. going to tell yeah. people I'm a Christian. This is what I make. Don't bother me about it. <laughs> I don't care. Right? There's just a there's just a freedom, yeah, um, that I think is just innate in in our culture. Yeah. Uh, another thought with all that sparking in, in my head would be it's really interesting talking in terms of like black contributions to culture being marginalized and then you've got mm -hmm. at, at the same time under the surface maybe unrecognized but still the influence of 
of well black culture across the board obviously is is huge in our society Mm -hmm. i mean take hip-hop for example it it starts in in brooklyn in a forgotten and um kind of urban environment by people who felt uh, forgotten by society and you've got within a within a reasonably short period of time as an as a culture of hip-hop it's infiltrated all areas of society now i'm not Uh, saying it's crazy yeah how how much it's infiltrated yeah it's, it's interesting on the other hand so you've got like this life so again focusing on art and the black church you've got this life coming from the black church culturally um mm. within the white evangelical church there is you've almost got the opposite situation whereby there's a perception of cultural clout within mm. the white evangelical church and that would be the, mm. the case in england which is much more misplaced than america where there still is some cultural clout i would imagine so all this talk in uh, in ch- churches uh, like mine would be like well, we're gonna we're gonna transform the world we're gonna change what the assumption is we have cultural capital we have a voice mm. into culture mm. right. perhaps mm-hmm. That is one of our major shortcomings is that we come from a position of arrogance, a position mm. of wi- entitlement as white, white Christians. Mm. The, the society should listen to us, you know. Mm. Um, for Daniel in Babylon, um, right. he wasn't thinking, I'm in a position of power. I'm The Jewish faith is now going to take over uh, the whole of Babylon. He's coming from the margins. He's, he's just trying to live out as a Christian. But then right. what he does has huge effect. I mean, I wonder if there is something in there... Of yeah, is it an arrogance from the the white evangelical church, which seems to be the area within Christianity that is is not mm. doing a very good job in the arts? Mm. <laughs> Let's put it as simply as as that. Um, I, I, I mean, don't know. It's, it's is is it that is it that the black church unit, or or should I say, black artists, black Christian artists, could we say are universally doing a better job, or is it? In, in a specific area where we have mm. seen outsized influence. Do you know what mm. I mean? Mm. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look. But we see clearly musically, yeah. culturally, um, and I guess maybe so. I, I, I mean, I look, at, I look at expressions, right? Just sayings that, that start in the Black community that I hear all kinds of other ethnicity saying TikTok is is a wonderful contemporary example where they were just in in you know kind of a, a a brawl with black contributors because you know there were black kids who would who would make up these dances and come up with all this really interesting cultural stuff and then white people would you know white contributors would would copy that and then they would get endorsement deals. Yeah. The white kids would get the hundreds of millions of followers and nobody would attribute where they actually got this stuff from. Mm. And so black creators are like, wait a minute, we're, we're making TikTok happen and, and you're not doing anything to protect us or make sure we get the benefits from what we create. All these other people are taking from us and, and you're not helping, you know, uh, correct that. And yeah. so I think that's that's an interesting example of what has been going on historically. Yeah. I think that's a really great example. Uh, we were talking earlier about the artist Laquena here in mm, London, mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. a great artist and, um, and her career has really taken off in the last couple of years in particular. But she integrates her faith, her cultural heritage, her family heritage yeah. so winsomely. I was going to say effortlessly, and that's not true because it requires a, a, a huge amount of effort. Yeah. But with that kind of fluidity that you were talking about, Marlita, um, 
so for example Joni was talking about an installation of hers uh, and I think it was at Temple um, Station in London and in Covent Garden um, her banners are hanging from mm. above and they're beautifully colourful the colours refer to a certain African tradition mm. and she has the words nothing can separate us mm. you know you want to fill in the blanks of scripture <laughs> yeah. from the love of God you know yeah. um, and it's a, a kind of subtly uh, Christian influence there um, and obviously that phrase takes greater meaning and traction from the last two years mm-hmm. um, but it, you know she's able to talk about things of faith and culture and her history in a way perhaps that describes that at this moment you know her particular history and background is of great interest and is of importance and that's where attention's at and added to the fact that she's a very skilled artist and wonderful human being and in a way that an artist who was um like johnny you were saying painting like the reformers painted you know several centuries ago making white european evangelical art there's no interest in that at the moment in fact more so um Mm. there's anything but interest in that voice so and you know that made me think of something ali because i don't know i would be interested to hear especially from from a a uk and and european context as well as a, a, a u.s context but i know in the u.s the church was the nexus of black life for so long, right? And so you dealt with all kinds of issues within the church, community, neighborhood, politically, socially, family life, all of that, all of that happened around and within the black church. That's changed recently, but, but that's what it was. You know, that was a, it was a safe place. It was a haven. It was a gathering place. It was so many things. So I wonder with mm. with the church touching so so fluidly so many parts of the life of, of black Americans, yes. if that's why they can talk about their spirituality, yeah. social life so, so effortlessly or mm. fluidly, should we say. Yeah. And I wonder if that's different in the white church where where you didn't, that wasn't, it didn't need to be the nexus of so many aspects of white Americans' lives or Europeans, you you know. I think there was less of the the nurturing that perhaps Mm. you describe in that. And so if you're young and creative, you know, either you become a missionary or an evangelist or something like that, you get encouraged to go to seminary, or if you have to go into the arts, then do it in the name of the Lord, brother, you know, and make paintings that bring people to faith. Um, and if you, you know, if you make it, you're successful, you get famous, you, you, you slip somewhere, you know, and you mess up and it's all very public, then it's really easy. You very quickly become demonized even by the community that God. encourages you to go into that place. You know, and none of that really breeds for a nourishing environment. And it's not, that's not a great soil for, yeah. for creative um, flourishing. Um, you know, and it leads to artists who feel either they need to convert the world because of that yeah. sense of entitlement that, you know, we, we have this right to convert um, culture or artists who burn out or artists who just don't become artists, they become ministers yeah. instead. 
But Interesting. All to come back to the, that that sense of nourishing, I think, of an earlier generation. I would say just isn't there. The yeah, moment. and and that that um, makes me think of two questions that I wrote down. Something that you were saying, Johnny, earlier. You were taught when we were talking, you know, mulling around on the you know the the vitamin deficiency idea, and you were talking about developing a taste, right? How necessary it's it is to develop a taste. And so I wrote down two questions. One, what do Christian artists need to do, right, to lead us to this place of, of reconciliation and thriving, really? And then what do Christians need to do, the church need mm. to do to prepare themselves to develop this taste as well for a more fuller life in the arts that would create an environment where better art can thrive, more holistic, right? And so maybe we tackle that in part two of this episode or not, but I but I thought those were two questions that, that I think mm. were really good. <laughs> that sounds like a great podcast yes, right there, right. Marlita. Yes. <laughs> Let's do that one. Well, guys, you've spent another episode with us where we've brought up even more things to talk about. And that's just how it goes around here, which is why you need to join us for the next episode. But again, before you go, we want to hear from you. So email us or comment and share your thoughts or rebuttals about things that we discussed in this episode. And if you enjoy the faith in the arts discussions that we have and you want to help us continue to have these conversations, then please consider becoming a part of our Patreon donor community. Thank you again for joining us, and until next time, be blessed. <laughs>